just going to be brief here in this intro and talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, Currently, it is 8 a.m. Wednesday, March 18th. The world is under siege from a pandemic brought on by the coronavirus or COVID-19. The world has literally grinded to a halt and everyone is locked up in their houses right now trying to avoid one, one another. Um, I just want to say, hey, um, we're going to get through this shit. This isn't the end of humanity. We are stronger. Just remember, be good to your fellow human beings. Practice your social distancing. And, and, and let's, just, let's just try to be with the people we love and, and focus on, 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 on just love. Let's just focus on love. How about that? We'll, we'll be locked up in our houses with the people that we love focusing on love. And um, we'll get through this. We'll get through this. And, and that's the end of my PSA. <laughs> yeah. um, check out our sponsor, Moded Studios, M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. They have all the latest and greatest in embroidered patches and apparel. You can uh, follow us on Instagram and facebook at we speak english good uh, you can leave a review or um or a comment on any of the platforms you listen to podcast on spotify itunes and you can write the show at we speak english good at gmail.com okay guys that's it for me so let's jump over to our guest our guest has worked with uh Aaliyah, missy elliott timberlake jay-z beyonce prince uh, madonna he i mean it just it, the list doesn't end um and a little bit about this conversation it was before the pandemic was the pandemic so we don't mention it at all and uh, it's just business as usual and he has some great information some great tips and uh let's just get to it nissan stewart I, you know, I wish I would have known about your podcast um, earlier because um, it was it's a great resource in doing resort, research for this. It was a yeah. great resource that I only learned about like an hour ago. So. Wow. Because wow. <laughs> I was wow. just Googling stuff. And, and I just I was looking up just like interviews of you or anything. And uh-huh. just it, it didn't even really have your name on it in YouTube. And it just it, it popped up your podcast. And uh, life and BPM, right? Or yeah, life, life and beats per minute. Yeah, life and beats per minute. Go check it out. It's an excellent podcast. You just had, um, oh my god, I'm gonna get his name wrong. Warren, Warren Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Warren Campbell was uh, my most recent guest. Yeah. Yes, and that's the one I was uh, listening to, and that's full of just great information about your origins and his origins, because you guys kind of came up together yeah. and um, worked together. But we'll get to that. Um, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time out to come on the show. It's a it's a, it's a true honor. Uh, you you your track record speaks for itself. You worked with Aaliyah. I think I saw Mariah Carey on there. Madonna. I mean, it just the the stuff that you've accomplished in your lifetime is amazing. So um, I, I do yeah, appreciate man. you uh, talking to me. And um, so 
I I usually just start off where what's the lineage of music in your family? So first of all, thank you, Mike, for having me. That's, Not a uh, problem. You know, I think that's a uh, uh, it's an honor, man. And you know, my experience is 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 what I like to say is is just a uh, one of the many blueprints for people that are trying to do some things and and this the journey is not for me but it's so somebody else can even learn and grow in what they do you know but um my lineage of music starts with my uh my my father and mother in in church so my father was a pastor and my father played saxophone my mother played the keys the organ in church so that's pretty much how it started. And we have uh, a few other talented musicians in my family. So, Oh, yeah. I, I think I've talked to one of them, uh, Bubby Lewis. Bubby, yeah. yeah. Bubby is my first cousin. Bubby, uh, his father and my mother were brother and sisters, our brother and sisters. They're both deceased. But he, um, you know, they're in Flint, Michigan. Uh, I, I would say that our parents, you know, they all grew up in church. So that's where it started. That's how it so we got, you know, got the fire for it. You know? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, if anybody's ever gone to a, a gospel service and and, uh, uh, and maybe you were from like a Catholic background and you and you uh, <laughs> the the difference. But because I'm Catholic, Catholic all the way back. And then uh, and then I had the honor actually to play in a Baptist church and and um, and it was boot camp, man. It's yeah. like it's a different. It's just a different vibe. It's not. It's <laughs> you're gonna go. You're gonna end up dancing. You're gonna be on your feet. Yeah. You know. It, it's it's amazing. I I, I love. Uh, I love. I, that's what I love about gospel music and and its relationship to, uh, with with Christianity because it is taking. Uh, you you are filling the room with the spirit of the music, yeah. and you're also yeah. you know. And so it, it, it's a it's a great way I feel like to get people in that space that space yeah. to worship. Yeah, the music is a the music plays a vital uh, a point a part rather in in the church. I think, um, and and you're right, it is a boot camp. <laughs> I said, yes, when we were little. I mean, my interest in in becoming a drummer happened when I was like five years old. Yeah. From me watching the older guys play in the church and just sitting there watching with my drumsticks beating on the floor, beating on the, the hymnal books, stuff like that, you know, and, and, and all the way to, to now, even at my church now, because I pastor a church now. So, Oh, okay. Uh, nice. So, so the guys that I have that, that play at, at, at my church, you know, from Chris Payton on guitar, Joe Cleveland, like Chris Payton was, you know, just finished his Katy Perry tour, uh, or Clements, who's a drummer for Khalid, you know, we, I, I, it's so important. Right? That's one thing that has to be right, that music. Yeah. And it's cool. It's the best, it's the best place of training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you started uh, getting into the drums at five, then you're pretty young. I mean, you grew up in the church, your dad's a pastor, so you yeah. were inundated. Your brother, who is also is very notable, and uh, yeah. Rapture, Rapture, who yeah. I mean, it, it seems like this Rapture. church that your your father's church did he start the church himself or he, he founded the church founded... in 1965. Wow, yep. that's amazing. September of 1965. So he, you know, again, we always had great musicians. Yeah, you know, my brother-in-law, my my sister, me and Rapture. Our sister is older than us. My sister is older than us by 15, older than me by 15 years. So her husband was older. He was a drummer. 
And so I was watching him and learning from him. Uh, so, uh, you know, that was one of the things that my father, he invested in, you know, the instruments, having the right instruments, all of us learning. I mean, even having a horn section. Oh, my goodness. We had all of that stuff. I yeah. love that. That's amazing that, that your yeah. band had like a horn section. So so your your dad sort of curated this, this, yeah. um, th- this, uh, oh. He curated the music there specifically since he opened it because he wanted the best sounding band you could get. And that's sort of why it was such a breeding ground for amazing musicians, I take. Yeah, well, he started, well, when they started, it was just him and my mother and my older brother and sister were, were young at the time. My mother played. So we had an organ and we would have had an organ in the house. It was having an organ, you know, is just as valuable as having a dining room table, you know. <laughs> And so my mother played it. My brother would get on the organ. He played keys, and I would try to noodle around with it, you know. And then drums is just where I just veered off to. But I, it was important. Like that, that sound was important. We understood the value and how, you know, at, at what gospel music did for people in terms of feeling. You know, whether you sat down. You know, music plays a huge part of our culture. So um, my dad, hey, he kept it rolling, and we. We got on the ball with it, and then we just veered off to a professional side of me and my brother. So yeah, yeah. So, so then coming up through the church, and and then of course you're part of the Soul Seekers, who you yeah. guys have won Grammys, right? Am I wrong? We've been nominated. You've been, been nominated. nominated. you know. I think we. I think, you know, right now we we are working on our new album. I think before it's all over, we'll get it. We'll end up. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, I believe. Um, but so you, uh, so coming up in the church and um, and uh, you know what? In the conversation that you had with Warren Campbell in your podcast, mm-hmm. it actually uh, reflected a, a question that I had um, okay. because um, me, you know, having a relationship with uh, working with a church and knowing the musicians there, I, I've kind of gotten to know the culture, and I know that part of the culture isn't really mixing secular with yeah. re- with religion and then yeah. so it was really interesting when i saw you and warren kind of discuss that um on your show and um and because that was definitely on my mind i'm just like well what was the was there a blowback was there a fallout when you decided to go from the church to i mean where you are now yeah well i think one of the things were was okay so let me paint the picture for you sure. i started getting serious about drums even though i played when i was five, you know, started getting the interest around when I was five. By the time I became a teenager, I started getting serious. I started watching Dennis Chambers and and Benny Caliuta, Dave Weckl, and I started improving the skill. I personally thought that when I graduated high school, I was going to be playing football and going getting the football scholarship. Oh, End up going to junior college. I'm playing football there. I'm thinking it's going to go one way. doesn't go how I planned. And then it was you know, at that time I was studying musicians and I became a fan of Ricky Lawson, Hmm. who at the time was playing for Michael Jackson. Oh. And Ricky Lawson, I was like, you know, I said, if I'm going to have a career, let me see who's the drummers that's making the real money. Right, right. And Ricky Lawson was that guy playing with Michael Jackson, playing with Steely Dan, playing on a lot of records. And so I was like, if he can do it, let me study him. So forth and so on. So jump fast forward to answer your question. I get into the professional side of it, starting very low. Um, I think the church was probably upset 
or mad. Some of it is because, well, now the drummer is gone. Oh, you yeah. <laughs> exactly. Who's going to But drum? we had other drummers, but that was one. I mean, I'm, and I'm speaking outside of the musicians, like some of the, the membership. Mm. And then it was like to my father, who was a bishop and well-known in the organization our church is a part of. He said people used to call him and say, how are you letting them, those boys play their secular music? How are you doing that? Mm. And he took some flack, but he, he, he let us do what we, you know, wanted to do. But I think when we started making money, he, he I don't think in his mind he could fathom having a professional career like that as a musician. Yeah. Even though there were some, but maybe he didn't see it in us at first, but we ended up showing him. And, you know, after a while, it was more like, hey, man, I love the Lord. Playing music is my profession. That's what I'm going to do. The only one that can stop me from doing that is God. If he doesn't have a problem with it, you know, yeah. I'm okay with it. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it ended up, man. Well, I mean, and you think about it, if you want to think about it even further, it's like, think about all the happiness that the music that you've been a part yeah. of and created. Uh, yeah. Think about all the joy that that's brought to people. And, and I, oh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, whether you believe in God or not, I mean, that's that's beautiful. And that's, and that's I mean, that's divine, man. It's divine. Yeah, man. It's an amazing thing. Amazing thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so your, your parents weren't uh, completely supportive of your music career then? You know, I think they were just leery of us getting into it and didn't really know how it was going to go. You know, you hear a lot of bad or horror stories about this musician, this guy got into the, into the industry, they became drug users, this, mm -hmm. that, you know, and they were just probably more cautious, you know, extremely cautious of it. And my thing was like, you know, we're some pretty good kids. We're not perfect, but, you know, I think we got it. We We, we know how to handle it. And I think Again, we got into it at the at the right time. At the mm. right time, so they, they they ended up, you know, being very supportive of us. You know, just pre keeping us in prayer. You know, all the traveling. You know, a lot of things happened throughout the career. One of the things that was uh, that was it was a tragedy was when Aaliyah passed. We were actually supposed to be uh, down in the Bahamas with her. Oh wow! Because of that song that she recorded was my brother's. Uh, and my my buddy Eric Seats, their production partners, that was their song. But we didn't go there because we ended up having to do a show with Missy Elliott in Jamaica. Oh. So, you know, th during those times, and that's when cell phones are really just becoming to get popular. Yeah. Uh, not like what we have now, the smartphones, but, um, you know, and then my mother, father always just keeping us in prayer and, you know, but when, when we come off the road, get right to church that was our thing you know, so. <laughs> oh yeah yeah i i can i could totally imagine because my mom was the same way it was like you know like you know you could do music but why don't you go to school and learn something that yeah you can yeah. fall back on uh did you yeah. did you did you ever have a well i guess you wanted to be a professional football player but... i wanted to do that and if i if that wasn't going to work for me then i was you know i was looking into the i was getting becoming interested in being a, a fireman Hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my my uncles was one of the first black fire chiefs here in Los Angeles County. Oh, that's awesome. And so, um, you know, just having conversations with them, and I've been thinking about it, but I wanted to do what I love. Music is what I love to do. Yeah. Um, starting out with playing the drums, then going on to be a producer, a songwriter. Right, right. Um, you know. So then. So how young were you when you started like really touring and like going and and like uh you know 
traveling, getting paid to travel to to play? Because because uh, you were a, a, a professional musician before the production side, correct? Yeah, okay. it was it was around 1996 that I got my first professional gig. That was when Warren was the one who you know who called me for it. Um, 96, I must have been in my 22, uh, 23, and I'm like figuring it out. I'm like, okay, I think I can uh, get into this. Let me see how I can, you know, I just really started navigating the land and seeing how to get in the business, how to meet people, networking. The network game was very strong for me. That's what really was strong. So in which way? In terms of just meeting people, mm -hmm. being cool when I would go places. You know, I, I would go to the clubs and just meet people and just be cool. I wouldn't be a jerk. I wouldn't, be, you know. And I waited my opportunity. I was just there, waiting for my opportunity to play. And I said, when I got that opportunity, I worked hard enough at home playing the drums in my bedroom and listening to Notorious Big and Guy and those great R&B records and some jazz records. I, was, I worked hard. I said, when my opportunity came, I was going to do a good job. And when it came... I did, because I. But to this day, I'm still getting calls to work. So, <laughs> and that's all. You, and that's all you could hope for getting in this business is is uh, longevity. Yeah, man. And um, yeah. I, you know, like I'm at that moment now where I'm thinking about longevity and like what about you know, yeah. like how can I keep this going? Is that gonna work? Yeah. I mean, I live in a a fairly small market for music. I used to live in San Diego. That's how I knew your cousin Herschel. I played uh -huh. in a band with him. And uh, uh -huh. but now I live in Toledo, Ohio, which is a completely different market than San Diego. Totally different. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it it's been a challenge, but I, I what it taught me was to diversify my talents and skills, and yeah. uh, I think that's an important thing that people should know, especially getting into this business. I mean, you know this definitely because you went from a professional musician to production and and producing and composing yeah. and all of that. So so diversifying your skills is a huge part of this business. Um, huge, huge. So you, a uh, Warren got you your first gig, and uh, that's when you started flying around, getting paid to travel, and and and, yeah. and, and was that in the in the gospel scene or was that secular at this point? No, it was that was my first secular gig. I got had been you. doing some some, I guess you could say professional gospel stuff before that. Actually, myself and Warren, like around 1991, 92, there was a band called new vision right yeah. and it was uh these five hispanic guys but they had a very gospel sound like uh, uh like the winings you know uh they patterned their song right after the winings commission and warren and i actually played in that band okay. then uh i remember 1992 93 on tbn trinity broadcasting network there was a guy by the name of leon patillo and he had a TV show. And myself, Warren, and my buddy Isaac from the group New Vision, we were the house band for this television show. We would go on the weekend and record like 15 shows. Yeah. Uh, and so that was my first stint in doing TV. I don't now that I think about it, you know, with me now doing Dancing with the Stars for the last 13 seasons. Uh that stuff was actually the training ground, TBN. So it was gospel things before the first secular gig, which came in 90, uh, 96 with Warren. But, in, you know, right around that time, I did something with John B. John B. was an artist. Um, he was like the white R&B singer, crooner. Mm -hmm. um, 
So Puff Johnson, John B, uh, that ended up being the first one of the first gigs I had. My buddy Eric Seats grew up with him. Uh, Eric was another great drummer. Shout out to him. We grew up together. Um, just did a couple gigs with him, but it was that right there. Then it shifted. I was like, okay, now let me go. Let me see how large can I go. And in my mind, okay, I can't play for Michael Jackson because Ricky Lawson is playing for Michael Jackson. Uh, that's his gig. So <laughs> let me see. Then music, then hip hop started really taking that year, 95, 96. It's Tupac. It's yeah. Biggie. It's those things. And then it shifts. And then uh, we're able to play for, we get a random call to play for Timbaland. Uh, on the Keenan Ivory Wayans show. Oh, My cool. buddy Shep Crawford called us. Keenan Ivory, Ivory Wayans had a late night talk show host. We go on there, we kill it, and from there, that's when the career went to a whole nother level. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. so after that, that's when you were getting call you're getting the calls to come and play with. And then and then so that that's how you met Timbaland then and you started your career with him. Yep. So they we did the Keenan Ivory Wayans show, uh, and then what happened was Timbaland. They had a show. It was I could tell you this is crazy. Back in the day, there was a house. We used to have the House of Blues that was here on, on Hollywood Boulevard. I mean, on Sunset, Sunset Boulevard, yeah, Hollywood. And they were having the Soul Train Music Awards, which was a huge award show. Now it's the BET Awards, but the, the Soul Train Music Awards was huge. And, and black music. And so they would have big parties. And Timbaland had a party at, um, well, Def Jam had a party, excuse me. Russell Simmons record label at the time. Def Jam had a big party. Kevin Lyles tells Timbaland, yeah, we want you guys to perform your whole crew. It's Aaliyah, it's Missy Elliott, it's Genuine, wow. it's Timbaland and Magoo. And uh, it's Timbaland and Magoo. And after that, it's uh, this group player. Okay. And so we do this show. They were like, it was a Wednesday. They was like, after we taped the show, they was like, well, can you guys rehearse? We got, we got a show Friday. We got to learn about 30 songs. Can y'all do it? We're like, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on that Thursday, we rehearse, learn all the songs. At this time, nobody was really using bands like that. A couple people. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Cool J used the band on one of his uh, MTV Unplugged specials, oh, yeah. but we did that show, and everybody in music was there. Black music. <laughs> everybody else before nobody wanted to come after us. We smashed that show, and Timbaland was like, "I'm never doing a show again without the band." <laughs> Moving from there, everywhere we went, everyone would do shows, but we had the band, and we were producers, like the young producers. So we kind of knew how to play the music, not just as musicians while not, but we mm-hmm. knew how to play those records live. Yeah, yeah. And that from there, that's how I met everybody. It was out of here. <laughs> and the, yeah, man, that that's uh that's pretty uh so so at that time was Timbaland Timbaland or was this like right before I mean I, did he have uh, any success under his belt or he, Oh yeah. So so he I, I'm sorry, I just don't I don't have the whole time. No, no, I'm gonna give it to you. I no, appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm gonna give it to you. At that time they had just real he had just really started like the Missy Elliott album came out and mm. Timbaland and Magoo um came out the Leah. He was just in the beginning of right. he had just produced all those records genuine. So they had hits. They had hits. Right. That's they right. had hits. They were new, but they had 
his they came out of the the uh the Devontae Swing camp, uh Devontae Swing who produced Jodeci, one of the members okay. of Jodeci. And this was when they left that camp, all of those artists they came out and Timbaland, every record he would produce would come out and be a number one. Boom, boom, boom. And you know, it was it was great. He was, you know, and playing those beats and then him calling us into the studio. And my brother Rapture had already started producing. He was getting, he had already got his, him and Eric Seas got their feet wet in that. And then I was like, hmm. Because one day my brother came and showed me a check that he made from producing one song, right? <laughs> and we were both living at home. He knocked on my door. He said, look, look. And he showed me this check for $20,000. Hey. I was like, I think I'm about to, speaking of how we're talking about diversifying, I was like, you know what? I'm making good money playing the drums, but if I could do that too, let me see if I can do it. And being in the studio with Timbaland and watching the genius of Timbaland was, you know, it was like the opening. I was like, okay, I think I can do this. Let me invest some of my money. Let me buy me an NPC. Uh, and then uh, me and my production partner, we bought a keyboard. And just started doing it and gave it a shot. And then now it's not only are we playing, but we're also now writing songs and producing records. Right, right. Um, which which yeah. is which is I mean, that's a great place to be. Um yeah, that's yeah. what you want right there. Um, yeah. so exactly. what do you remember anything uh off the top of your head that you could remember that in any anything that you learned production wise from Timbaland that uh that stuck with you and maybe something that you still do um with that information? So the, one of the things, Tim, what I noticed with him, the record had to feel right. Mm -hmm. You know, it had to have a feel. It had to have a certain hump to it, a certain bounce to it. And I watched him. I studied it. He doesn't, I mean, I, next time I see him, I got to tell him, you know, I think he's probably may have heard some interviews I've done before, but watching him create was inspiring you know, everything that's coming uh, uh, is happening, coming uh, out of the speakers is happening from your own fingers. Mm -hmm. And he created a vibe. And that's the one thing I learned from him uh, in the production phase. On, other, on the other hand, because right after that, I became part of the Hitman. I was managed by, by Diddy. Oh, right? okay. And so I learned from Puff how to make it sound uh, and how to create a vibe. But I learned from Tim how to make it, how to make a record have a feel. Hmm. So those two things. So I, I was just blessed, man. I can't, you know, most people don't have that story. I was just blessed to just be in there and kind of witness these two things. And that was really the training ground for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just being in proximity of that kind of talent has to just yeah. do something. I mean, it's like when uh, people are like, if you want to learn how to play jazz, go to the jazz club and hang out with jazz cats. Like, go yeah. and just inundate yourself with it. And I don't know what it is, but it's like almost like reverse osmosis or something. It just yeah. You just are able... It, it's it's interesting because like when when I was playing with jazz cats and stuff, I just never understood it. And like, I just, I don't get the rhythms and how, you know, you have to have a certain way of playing the notes. It's not just playing notes, but you gotta, you know, like I didn't get it. And then right. when I started actually working with these musicians, like it just came natural. I'm just like, my God, what have I been doing? 
right, so, right. so I mean, that's film, a man. it's a very important thing is to if you want to uh, if you want to be better or if you want to learn something, go to the source. Go to and and you were just fortunate enough to have like the source, <laughs> like yeah, Tivolin like, and Puff really? Daddy and oh, and those guys. I mean, what those are. Um, those are great teachers to learn from or, yeah, or just p- people to have in your life to learn that kind of skill. Absolutely. So, so when did you, uh, what was the first, uh, uh, what was the first song where you were acting as a producer and, uh, and composer or composer, either one. So the very first song that, that I put out myself and my production partner at the time, uh, Dante Nolan, um, we, our very first song that we produced was on Missy Elliott's So Addictive album called For My Peoples. Okay. And For My Peoples ended up being a single overseas, which has done, did so well over the years. It still does well. We're still getting checks from that. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. That was, that was my very first song that I produced. Um, following that, uh, it, again, working with Missy Elliott, she asked me and one of my other buddies to produce an album on a young lady named Tweet. Mm. And so we produced Tweet's whole first album with the exception of two songs. So out the gate, I was blessed to to do that. You know, they entr- they saw something in us and entrusted uh, the whole record to us. And I mean, that, that record ended up selling over a million copies. So it was good, man. That's beautiful. When uh, now, when you're when you're when you're starting a beat, when you're starting a new song or whatever it is, where do you usually start when you're starting? Like when you're producing, where where do you start with a song? It starts with for me. It starts with a sound. Like if I'm creating beats, it starts with a sound. You know, uh, there's a sound that may it may be the sound of a baton banging on a bottle cap. It may be, you know, something weird, something that's in my head. You know. Or I may be hearing a, a melody in my head. Uh, but a lot of times for me, being a drummer, a lot of times it would start with the beat. Mm. I would create the beat first and then hear the melody in my head and then add that later. Uh, would, uh, would you, what uh, what DAW do you usually like to, to work with when you start your beats or making beats? What program? You yes, said? sir. Yes, sir. Okay, Logic. Logic. Is Logic. Yeah. Now, I got to get into Ableton. I just I just built a new studio. Oh, nice! And so uh, I haven't got in in there yet. I've been so busy, but I got Ableton because I got my young guy that's gonna train me on the Ableton because they say if I, once I get that, it's like it's a wrap. <laughs> it, well, it, it's it's kind of true. I mean, I love Ableton, and it's so complex. But like once you get past all the like the learning curve. The workflow is incredible. You're just, I mean, like once you get it down, it it, it is it is what people say it is. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah, actually, so re- yeah, man. I watch guys do do it, and yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like I I and Logic is cool too, man. But I did you? How, how was the learning curve for you on Logic? Because for me, it was terrible, I, and I'm still dealing with it. I'm still like, well, well, for me, coming from using the MPC yeah. and all this MIDI gear all that stuff and then going into logic at first it was like uh, but i knew that i had to do it i had no right. choice you know you, you you know i could be i could be blockbuster in the, in the netflix world if i wanted to but that ain't gonna work <laughs> right you know i was like okay you gotta learn what's popping now the technology is evolving at a high rate and it, and it was good you know learning logic and figuring it out yeah um 
Yeah, and and now it's getting, technology is still getting faster and faster, evolving. evolving so tell me, man, I'm trying. It's just it's too much to even try to comprehend at this point. It's just, yeah, man. I mean, it's just every day it's something new. Um, yeah, man. So I, I I I'm really interested in talking to you about just production in general. Um, yeah, man. So. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm. Uh, I'm no, on no, phone. No, I, I have questions, but they are not uh, in yes. order because why would? No worries, bro. Just shoot. I got you. I'm with you, man. I appreciate. You. I appreciate it. I, I certainly do. Um. So, what? How? How are you feeling about um about the way that production is now? Like what? Like with drum packs and like these like I don't know these pre-made beats that people just sort of throw on. I mean, I mean it's almost like how Fruity Loops was, but like it just seems like that's all across the board now. It, it just seems like a lot of people are just using. How do you feel about like how people just use these pre-made beats? And I, I, I mean, like, are you for that? Are you with that? Are you against that? Where are you at with that? Well, this is the thing. Let me let me say break it down like this. Please. I, we can like what we like or dislike what we like. Mm. The consumer is the one <laughs> that tells whether or not we, you know, it, it, we're having a going to have a career. So I say that to say, yeah, right now everybody with the trap beats and these programs, these you know, my my son tells me, you know, he he plays the drums. And he tells me, Dad, I made this beat. I made this beat. He took a bunch of pre-made stuff together and put it together. Like, yeah. he made this beat. I'm like okay. And I never <laughs> want to shoot him down, but right. I'm like, you really didn't make that beat. You know, I, I hear what you're trying to say. But that's what technology is. But I think the creative person, like, like uh, to me, I'm waiting for the, I'm wondering about the next sound. Okay, what is going to be the next sound? Mm -hmm. It's going to have to take somebody or something that, you know, outside of those pre-packaged pre-made beats to to do it in my personal opinion that way you can have some authenticity like you used to back in the day you could tell when timbaland produced something you can tell when teddy riley produced something or or when Devonte swing produced something because their creative identity in it uh but now with the pre-packaged stuff it's kind of like hard everybody with the beats everybody's programming the same kind of beats and same rises same like, same uh, breakdown <laughs> same breakdown same uh going from the back and forth from the one to the four of the of the major note uh, it's just so you know I, I so i say okay and i you know i say okay it's, it's easier for everybody to do, to do it right that's the way i say it it's, it's so easy for everybody to do it well, i mean coming from a background of musicianship like with a great with a high regard of musicianship what do you, how do you feel about how um how engineers are kind of the new uh musicianship and uh you know the people who are mixing mixers the mixing engineers are the ones who are the ones with the musicianship because they're going and correcting all the mistakes the musicians are making uh, yeah, what's your take on that that's just the way technology has just went mm. yeah well yeah i know <laughs> and, kinda... you know I, so i don't have anything good or bad to say about it <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like man it is what it is yeah you know and i think that you know shout out to the engineer what it's done is created more opportunities and you know more value for the engineers not that it you know i mean the value has always been great you can't make you know make it sound right or you can put it together without them but you're right that's just the way it is now um, and I have to just say, hey, you know, 
I'm not going to give you no publishing because you made a breakdown. Of what, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, it's great. It, you know, but it is, but it is great. You yeah. know, um, that's just, that's just where we are right now. Well, I liked how, I like that you said that it's not, I mean, like you were like, it's not really up to us. It's up to the consumer. And like, yeah. And if the consumer is out there buying, um, music from a producer that made it from some some beat packs and some sample packs and you know just sort of slapped it together like you know like some apple loop session uh you know like you know who are we to judge that because obviously that's that's what what people want yeah Yeah. my kids my kids when they're listening to music you know that that lets me know my kids are are, are my barometer Mm. so you know i can you know that's what they're into these songs and hey (laughs) I don't ever want to sound like the old guy that hates on the new stuff. It's right. kind of like guys that say, "Oh, Stephen Curry and them, they play basketball, but they're not." It's not like with with my in the Michael Jordan days. Not you know, you discredit one by saying just because it's evolved to what it is now doesn't have every element as before. Doesn't mean it's not still good, you know. So Absolutely. Yeah. I think you know. I want to always approach that thought with respect because it's easy to fall in that category. Where you hate, oh, they're not creating real music. Back in the day, they used to create this and that. And it was, you know, okay, yeah, but it's things have changed, you know? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You know. No, I, I'm with you, though. I'm with you. It's like, I mean, if this is how music is made and that's what people are finding success with, then one more power to them. Be successful with your Fruity Loops or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, but, I mean... It, exactly. It, it is what it is, and it's up to the consumer. So, whatever. Um yeah. Honey, now I mean, musicians have are known or notorious for having egos that might be a little bit out of proportion. Um, yeah, and you work with a lot of artists and a lot of artists with success. Um, is is there ever been a time? And I'm not asking you to name names or anything. That's ridiculous. But um, has there been a time where you faced with the challenge of ego, and then how did you get past it to get the project done? Yeah. Ego plays a, a part in the in the game. You talking about from the artist side? Yeah, from the artist side. Because working with an artist as a producer, um, have you ever ran into a, a moment where ego is sort of sort of getting in the way of of getting yeah. the project finished? Well, ego can get in the way of a person's cognitive space. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yes, I do. So you think I think that there was one artist that I worked with, very huge. Uh, and let me see how can I say this without saying <laughs> no. So, so bottom line was is some things were happening wrong within the camp, mm-hmm. and they thought they came to me and thought it was me and this and that, and that was kind of weird. Uh, but they were having one of those artist moments, and so the the tour manager at the time, uh, uh, one of their people that worked for their company came to me and was like, yeah, you know, it's just, we know it's bad. And they tacked on an extra $20,000 on this $40,000 bill that I sent him. And it was, it was great. <laughs> it was great that that happened, but I witnessed that, you know. Um, for the other, for other, most of it is, the artist's will to do well and to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Beyonce's first album came out, 
um, which I, well, funny thing is me and Missy Elliott and, and my, my boy Craig Brockman produced and wrote a song on there. Um, and then I ended up going on that tour with her. I did the first half of the tour. My buddy Gerald Hayward, who was her original drummer, couldn't do it at the time. So I went out and B was cool. She was like, yeah, bring these signs. So watching her create, she wants to get it right. So it's not really ego. I think the wrong person, sometimes people misdiagnose what's going on. Mm -hmm. It was it was never ego with her. It was more of, I want to get it right. Let's get yes. it right. Paying everybody well. Let's be professional. Let's go. Yeah. Sometimes they may have to scream. Sometimes they may have to, you know, whatever, when they're trying to get to get down to the nitty gritty. Switch to Diddy. Working with Diddy. It was never an arrogant thing in our creative space. I think, uh, you know, and if there was arrogance, it was never on the negative side for me. For him, it was like, we working with the best. We about to hit the biggest spots in the in the world, the biggest arenas in the world. We got to kill it, okay? I need you as a musical director to be on your game. I need you. You know, then nah, it'll be, we'll rehearse 12, 14, 16 hours in the day, you know, all to get a finished product. And when we're going through it, we like, sometimes... I'll start at point A because it's my vision. He'll take us, take me from C, uh, I mean, B to Z, zero to one, all the way back to A when I was, you know, but it was, it, is it, was it worth it or is it worth it? Yeah. So, <laughs> but I never had a negative, you know, thing happen like that with artists. And my thing is I don't stay around long with, with artists that are that way. Yeah. Can't do it. And as oh, the older I got, the more peace I needed to have in my space. You know. Yeah, so. man. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling. I just stepped away from a project because it was it was just too mentally straining. And yeah, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they I listen to this podcast. It. But it was just I I couldn't. You know, I'm almost forty. I can't. I I'm not. I got a kid. I'm not that's dealing right. with with little shitty attitudes you know yeah so. exactly exactly <laughs> uh what, what what do you prefer more do you well i'm not i'm sorry not prefer uh do, do you when you're doing uh production do you work um do you do the writing as well or do you is there times when you're taking a song that was sent to you and is like hey i need you to you know make a beat or make a song to these chords or whatever or yeah. how, like something like that I've had both of those happen. Okay. Both of those situations happen, you know, um, trying to and trying to build and trying to create a, a song. People have sent me stuff and said, hey, what can you do with this? Can you come clean this up? Yada, yada. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Um, but sometimes, I, you know, it's, hey, there's an opportunity to be on this record. What do you, what do you think? If it's something that I feel that I would want to do, yeah, I'll give it a shot and go after it and just create from scratch, you know, put put it, put the right team around me to 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 build and create the song yeah you know, you know it's a good thing but either one i don't really have a preference yeah. you know at the end of the day i just want to be a part of good things you know yeah and create cool be a part of good things yeah. cool things where it's fun and you know it's, just, it's something where you can have a story about it from you know from a you know, from in years, like remember when we did that record? Remember when we did this? That type of thing. Yeah, so. yeah, of course, man. I mean, creating the life you want to live, and and that's yeah. that's beautiful. Is that an Oscar, by the way, back there that I'm looking at in your on your on the other side? 
That's not a real. Oscar. Okay, I was like, you just got an Oscar up there. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a that's a dad of the year award. Oh, that's nice. Like, that's even better. It's better than it's the Oscar. better than the Oscar. It's better than the Oscar. You know? um, so, like, I, I was thinking today. I was talking to my wife because me and my wife are a writing team, and and we're and, and I was like, I was like, you know, um, I, I was like, I was like, you got any questions for Nisa? And um. Cause we're kind of going through this thing right now and you know i was asking about ego and stuff and um yeah we're, we're working with this client who's working with a producer who who has some hits under his belt he, he works with def jam and he's kind of um first of all we uh we we wanted to revise his beat he sent over because it wasn't really hitting what we thought mm -hmm. was right mm -hmm. um he got upset but he did it and he worked with us and he said hey you know i uh, thank you for challenging me but then when we went to uh now she's doing these tv spots <laughs> and he's not sending the stems over he's not he's not being compliant he he's he doesn't want people to know his work he keeps saying he doesn't want people to know his work and and i get that aspect where you don't want people to know your secrets um i don't know like uh I, I, that situation uh, uh is that common in, in the production world? Is it common for people to yeah. be upset about revisions? Is it common for people to not want to send their stems and not want to do that? I, I mean, coming from your position in yeah, this business. Yeah, it's definitely common. Definitely common. You have people who, you know, I could tell you a story. I won't name names. Of a producer sent a song to another producer, they're moguls. Um, even now, uh, the producer, the song was sent to change some stuff. The main producer got mad and shut the whole thing down. Like, oh. you know, you're not using that, you know, yeah. uh, to the point where, you know, back then it was like, it was two, two inches. We weren't really heavy, heavy pro tools just yet. Yeah. But, uh, it was a huge problem. People do do that. You don't want to just send your stuff off to just anybody. You know, you want to be able to, first of all, there has to be a level of respect. And if you create something, you send it to somebody and they're like, oh, I changed this and that. And, first, and didn't tell you, mm. you know, that's one thing. But, you know, the, the, you have to communicate. It has to be communication. You know, we're territorial. We all are territorial about our stuff. We're passionate. And, you know, we want to protect. It's like protecting our babies. Yeah, That's of course. That's how people are with track, you know. So that is the case, you know. Um, but I think the way to solve any issues is just how to communicate from the from both ends. It should always be from both ends, you know. And if communication can never go well, then, hey, you might want to say, yeah, maybe we shouldn't work together. Yeah, and it, and and that's kind of where the point where we're at right now. But, uh, you know, we're, we're working with him. He, you know, like, I... I I don't know him personally. I, he's like we're all working remotely here. Mike, our clients in Spain. He's in yeah. the UK or LA or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so uh, how often are you re working remotely? When uh, um, um are, are are you usually working with the artists you're producing for um directly? Um, I usually work with the artists, but I haven't. You know, I kind of took some time away because I, you know, I wanted to focus on some new things. And again, I'm getting ready to get back in the studio. I got some calls to get in and work with some specific artists on some specific things. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, it's usually traveling. I'll go down to Atlanta and sit up. I used to go down to Miami and 
sit down and create there. Artists, you know, artists want to create in certain settings. That's always the greatest thing. So I lived in Miami uh, off and on, uh, you know, some months of my life working on specific things. Um, but yeah, people don't want you to travel, come to them. But then LA is so great. People love to come to LA. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it used to switch. It would be, we're in New York doing a bunch of records. We're in LA doing a bunch of records. And then Miami came in the scene, which Miami became my favorite city. <laughs> I love to, love to uh, work down there. So what about, there what about stuff. Miami? Do you like so much? I love the city. I love the nightlife. I love the food. Uh, I love the city, the nightlife, the food, all of that. Everything was just amazing. The studio we used to work at, at uh, the Hit Factory down there a lot, uh, or Circle House down there a lot. You know, it was just a vibe. It was a real vibe. So, from uh, you know, going to the studio, working late, taking a break. Going to the club, getting inspired, <laughs> coming back, working to the to the you know leaving the studio sometimes eight nine ten in the morning to go to sleep, <laughs> wake up and eat breakfast in the afternoon, do it all over. Again. Do it again. It was a grind. That grind was really good. We had a lot of fun doing that. Some of the best times of my life. Uh, is there a, is there any current producers that sort of inspire you right now, or um, is there any current producers or our techniques in producing? that you would like to expand upon or, or uh, put your, put your touch on? My, one of my favorite producers is 40 who produces a lot of Drake stuff. Oh, okay. Um, rock. I'm still, you know, I'm partial to my guys that I like. I love uh, one of my buddies who I get to work with often, uh, Damien Farmer, AKA Damo shout out to the good people club. He's one of my favorites in, in doing records right now. Um, uh, one of my favorite sounds is still my brother and Eric Seats, Rapture and Seats. Shout out to Key Beats. They still, their sound from back then is still ahead of its time. <laughs> you know, so, um, but I also love D Mile. D Mile, shoot, he's a great, great producer. Um, produced a lot of hits to Beyonce, her. Um, and a lot of people, uh, and then like Rock Wilder, Rock Wilder is still one of my favorite. Just he knows what he's doing. I like, I love that New York grimy thing mm -hmm. that he has going on again. These are not no pre made beat makers, these right. are some real, they hands on, you know, but they can do that stuff too, and they know how to flip that. So, those, those, I would say, those are some of my favorite guys, and then Battle Cat. Mm. I love DJ Battlecat. He's got this music sound that's really slapping. It's so LA. It's crazy. Warren and I were talking about that on my show. Yeah, you were. Um, oh, Battlecat is crazy. The one thing that you guys were talking about that was uh, because, and we were kind of touching back on, um, you know, getting blowback for for switching into or going into the secular realm, uh, was that it wasn't a, a thing that people did when you guys were doing it. It wasn't like, it wasn't, church musicians weren't doing that. It was looked down upon. And so when you guys, right. you guys, uh, you, you guys in the conversation on your podcast, you were talking about how, um, you know, he's like, I don't know if we were the first, but I, I think that we made it okay. And, yeah. So, yeah. So to, to, to that, there were some musicians that did it before us in Los Angeles. 
there wasn't no crews like that. Right. You know, and I thought about that even in the conversation. There's some other guys that have done it before. But again, we out here, I believe it was us that that were straight out of the church. Like those guys, they passed, their fathers are pastors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. they're not going to go for it. But, <laughs> you know, however, they, they, they did. You know, they did uh, support what we were doing. So I think that, um, again, us being, we were some of the first guys to, to really go as a crew and get in and just get it happening. I mean, and we made it, we made it cool. We, they, they were like, okay. And now all of a sudden you got hundreds of people that have moved to Los Angeles to pursue their career. Shout out to all the young, youngins, you know, this is, this is big world, big business. And we got some young ones that are doing great, great things. You know, some, uh, it's too tough for them, but yeah, I think we played a huge part in that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, when I talk to, um, when I talk to uh, musicians around here, even um, especially especially gospel musicians, musicians that come out of the church, I mean, your name always comes up. It's always your name. Like your own, your name always comes up, and it's like um, you know, like I I don't know. I, I I'm you know I don't know how much they know about your past and know about like what your crew did for you know switching into secular for church musicians. But you know, like it's always your name. It's always. Um, I can't remember all the names, but, uh, you know, well, it's, like, all, yeah, it's a lot of guys. There's a guy from there. Matter of fact, Toledo, I think he's from or Akron, um, uh, Garrison Brown, another hmm. great drummer who I put on his, on his first, uh, R&B gig. He was Garrison is by far one of my favorite drummers in church, in the church service. He came over, I hired him, I brought him in and hired him for, cause a lot of things I do, I don't go out and play, but I'll musical direct it and just put it together. Mm -hmm. Help put the show together. And Garrison came out of the church. It was tough for him. It's different. You know, they're two different worlds. Yeah. You know, where you may play well in this market, may not in, in the next market, but he adapted and became good. You know, but guys from all over the country. So I'm pretty much known for that. I mean, I think it's a blessing and I try to mentor the young guys as much as possible so that they don't, you know, that they can keep their head in this game because the game was crazy. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you don't handle the game, the game will handle you. That's for sure. <laughs> is there any, is there any moments in your career where you felt handled? Um, no. What I you're don't talking think about. So. I don't think so. I think really it's your state of mind. I was blessed to have my parents. My father was a businessman. I was blessed to have him. I was blessed to have him to teach us what it means to drive, have a drive to do great in uh, what we're doing. So it didn't never, nothing never handled me. Like I hear stories all the time. I hear all these crazy stories about this one got got, that one got got, you know, uh, not with nothing major. I never had that happen. I had one artist, I have an artist that owes me $3,000 to this day. I kind of wrote it off. <laughs> you know, but he has some issues going on with him. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been blessed so far beyond $3,000 that I, you know, when I see him, I still give him that look, <laughs> but you know, he's going to pay me one day, one way or another, but <laughs> I, but at the end of the day, that's minor compared to the stuff that I have heard. And that's the only one time that's ever happened. You know, he, that this particular person has a, had a drug issue, mm. you know what I'm saying? So it's, it was really bad in, in their career has paid for it far more than I could ever pay them back. So, you know, and then I'm still praying for them to come out of that so that they could 
be well. I'm, I want their well-being to be great. And then once they're well, then they can give me the three thousand dollars. <laughs> but get but, better uh, so you can pay me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. After I, you know, but but no, like I've I've heard stories. I've heard stories about deals. And one of the things I had good friends, and I know how to listen to advice. You cannot come in this game and just think you can do it the way you want to do it. I haven't had no tax problems, thank the Lord. <laughs> uh, in my twenty, you know, plus years of doing this, I haven't had that. When I first got into the game, my buddy, you know, Warren, he, he's actually he's the one. He said, "Man, make sure you get a business manager," because you know, people with these taxes, they don't, you know, yeah. they, they, the money they, they they don't play when it comes to entertainers and taxes, which we all know. Oh. I never had an issue. I got the right business manager. Had the right lawyer. Uh, it's been with the same lawyer, Roger Patton, since the beginning. Anything I do, I call him. Um, you know, so I never have gotten handled. But I've heard stories about people got handled. I'm like, how can they do that? I've heard about they say people say things about Diddy handled them this way, and you know, Puffy. You know, I'm like, oh, that ain't really ever happened to me. I think because I read the paperwork and me and my lawyer talked about it. Right. We weren't desperate to make any moves, but we wanted to make the best moves that were best for my career. And I didn't want to settle for anything less than what I thought I was valued at um, in, in, in most situations. So, you know, no, nah, I've been blessed to not be handled. But that's why I think I'm the perfect person to talk to people, the, the younger musicians, producers, songwriters, to help them not get handled in a negative way. Yeah, man. No, and uh, no, I'm talking to some kids out of Detroit right now who are putting together those kind of seminars. Um, actually, he's out there in Detroit. Uh, Detroit, my bad. Uh, he's out there in L.A. currently, but he's a... Uh, <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a big thing, kind of a big movement going on right now where where people are, are uh, you see it all over YouTube or Instagram and, and people I talk to is people giving out, uh, it, it, it's starting to be known, like the information is getting out there about how to succeed in this business. And, and uh, you know, there's always these tenants that these, these regular tenants is like, know your material, like know your craft, you know, like be on time and. And do the thing. What What are some of the things that uh, that you could add to that list? Uh, if, talking to these musicians coming up right now. Know Know the business enough to know what what you don't ever sign anything. Mm. Never sign anything without proper uh, consultation. Don't sign your stuff away. Your publishing. Don't just sign that away. Don't just give that away. You know. Uh, and and if you have a good lawyer, your lawyers will be the bad guy. Let the lawyers get in the in the ring and fight, and you maintain a good relationship with the artist you're working for or whoever you're working with. That's what what matters. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that's the main thing. Yeah, be on time. You no, know, all money isn't good money. All money is not good money. You know, so kind of make sure you're sensitive to that. You know, you don't always have to go. You, you're not going to get it all overnight to let it bake. No microwave the career. Let the, let the career bake mm -hmm. like a good pie. Take Let it take its time. Just keep you put in the good ingredients and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and the right things will happen. You'll have time to take it out. Take this out. Uh, you know, put that in. Add this here, there, in, in, into what you're doing. Let your career bake. Uh, be careful who you hang with. You know, and one of the main things I say is don't, you know, stay away from the drugs. Don't let the drugs influence you because right now that's what's happening. And, you know, our young guys are dying. Mm 
mm-hmm. overdosing more than ever in terms of, as far as I see, like this artist dies this week, that artist that, you know, be careful, be careful. Well, yeah. And, Fam- it, and oh, please. family is number one. Family is number one. That's the next last thing I'll say. Oh yeah, that that's a great list, and, and just to kind of speak on like the whole drug culture right now, which seems to be like at the heart of like the music too. It's like if you're not hearing people about talking about pop and Molly's, you're hearing people about you know, it, it, it it's become part of the culture, and yeah. um, and and that's strange. And uh, what well, it's not strange. I mean, a lot of things have become part of this culture. You know that I don't know, but uh, this is how it goes, right? This is yeah, it's <laughs> the sad. world we're it's living sad. in. But when you think about our kids, like I'm cautious of what I listen. I, I listen to music with my kids, and I'm cautious. I, I teach them, you know. All I could do is pray that we teach them right, man. Because you know, you never want them to get fall into bad habits, fall into you know certain things. You know, they got to do. Uh, you know, you want your kids to live and and do well. So uh, as we try to raise them in this culture, hmm. uh, we want to teach them wisdom. You know, yeah. that's what it's about. Well, what's your what's your musical training um, besides the church? Obviously, do you, uh, did you go to school at all? Did you uh, uh, do you read? Like, what's your what's your uh, where are you at with all that? I do read. I had to teach myself how to read. Mm. I didn't go to school. I will mm-hmm. tell you a funny thing. I think it was uh, maybe seven years mm-hmm. ago, eight years ago when I the first time I had to read. Okay, I work with, I do a lot of work with Ray Chu from New York. Okay. Um, and we did a session. We were doing the Emmys. Oh, okay. And we were doing a session for, what's my man's name that played Doogie Howser? What's his name? Oh, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris is the host. So they did, you know, the opening monologue, they do this whole thing and it has a bunch of music. And it's like a, um, it's like a 60 page chart that they put in front of us. Wow. Full orchestra, full everything. I'm the drummer. I'm like, okay, they didn't send us the music. I didn't have, I didn't have time to listen to it. Okay. I mean, they didn't give me nothing to listen to. I'm hearing it as I'm in the studio. And I didn't really read like that. That session made me say, if you don't get out and read, you're going to screw up. I'll screw up and miss out on a lot of money, mm. a lot of opportunities. I made it through that session. I'm surprised I didn't pee on myself. <laughs> Real talk. I'm gonna just tell you what it is. Like I, I like watching it. And Ray, I play with Ray a lot. You know when he would do stuff out here in LA, and he was like, "Man, you might as well. You, you need to learn. Do it." You know. And then another time, Teddy. Campbell, one of my good friends, he was doing the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Had an emergency; they needed me to come fill in. I didn't really know how to read the charts. I said, "I can't do this." I went and figured out how to read music, um, which helped me because Dancing with the Stars, we're reading charts and it's all live. Wow! We don't have time. You know, you don't have time to sit up there and. Oh, let's run it again, run it again, you know, like for an hour. No, it's like we're gonna run the song like once or twice, once if we can. Um, so I had to teach myself how to read. And I'm still, you know, I'm good, I'm good enough to get the job done, but I wanna I wanna master it. So I am uh in preparation to take some not from schooling, but from a, a great 
drummer, uh, teacher out here. Because I think it's important. If you want opportunity, I don't want to miss out on any opportunity. I want to be, I want it to be well diverse enough to play jazz. You call me for a jazz gig. You call me for funk, hip hop, pop. I want to be able to do it all. And so same thing, reading. I want to be able to read. Yeah. Okay. Pull out the chart. Let's see what it's talking about. Wow. It's, it's, uh, to me, it's so fascinating that like you had this amazing career as a professional musician. And then just eight years ago, this is, yeah. it, it popped up. You're like, okay, well here it is now. Yeah. Now well, you have, you know. to, was it something that you found yourself avoiding at all? Well, I think I was comfortable in my other space. Mm. It was easy. I'm doing all of the hip hop R&B stuff. Like all the A&Rs and execs were calling me to put the bands together. And I could mm. decide if I wanted to play or not, or I, I figured it's an opportunity to put somebody on. I would do that. Um, and it was cool, but then I wanted, it was a challenge. Oh yeah, I want to play that. I want to play some of this other music. Let me see how that goes. And then, you know, shout out to Ricky Minor, who is, you know, a mentor directly and indirectly and in what he does and watching him do his thing. I I had to learn it. And I'm glad that I, that I ended up learning it. You know, some will say, well, maybe I learned too late because you know but no there's no such thing as too late no absolutely not it, yeah. it, it was no it's just fascinating that like you were able to have this crazy amazing career without it yeah. uh, in la especially you know where i mean like you said you're working on on uh dancing with the stars and you you don't have all day to work on one song or whatever it is you know you yeah. you have now and go <laughs> so right. well the, i think the main thing too is that's inspiring when you see legends like quincy jones see uh, you know guys this is the, the thing that's a trip so a lot of church musicians the talent and how they learn the music like let me so we could talk about my cousin bubby right yes I remember when Bubby picked up the bass. I remember his sister, you know, his sister is a great drummer, was one of my inspirations as well, Benita. Um, you know, we being family musicians. And Bubby picked up the bass one year and he was just okay. The next year he's playing everything. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> right. Like, what 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 did he do? Is there secret bass pellets or a bass drink you can drink, musician drink? You know? So I, I think to the other side of it, we get to this place where we're comfortable because we're just so good. Mm -hmm. We can sit down and play. I was that guy in school. My my freshman year in high school, I was in the marching band, but I was just listening to the guys play what they play. And then, okay, oh yeah, I got it. I, and I would play it. I wasn't reading. Yeah. Recitals, I, I memorized it. I didn't even really read. Now, I wish had I gone back even back then, my career probably would have went even much far broad you know not farther broad broader if you will um if i would have done that but you know again i've been there there's been sessions where they they're looking for people that read you know you think about i remember um and i was in it i just was out of town when they did it but when the when hans zimmer i believe uh uh did the superman when superman came back out mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago and they called a bunch of top drummers for the session and you know you had to be able to read yeah. the music and they all played together you know so you know i think that yeah i would encourage younger musicians pick it up learn it you can you can now with youtube you can learn anything right that's what i'm you saying what I'm these you YouTube, youtube players learn. man yeah. yeah man i learned it they got it how to read drum music drum charts there's yeah. something on there you google it yeah do it 
don't shortchange yourself. Get all the information and wisdom you can. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the interesting thing about coming up in the church. And one thing I noticed when, with my short uh, tenure <laughs> Not even tenure, uh, but my short time with the 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 uh, gospel band is uh-huh. that um, your ear is is your main your main tool because you're it, you might practice it in one key, but then mm-hmm. a bishop will come up and start you know singing and uh, I, I don't know I, I the terminology excuse me is hooping is that what it's called? Well, yeah, when they're hooping, when they're preaching, yeah, they're having, they're, they're, they're really excited about the text they're preaching and right. now they're singing through what they're saying, which right. is hooping. And then they're modulating and doing things in different keys. And you have to, that's, that, that's, again, that's that church training, that grind. Right. You got to play things, play it in every key. So you're you almost, know, like, it's not yeah. like my mother, like when my mother would play, she played in a few keys. Person get up and sing, she'll find the key that's closest to it and just start playing in the key that she could play it in, start singing loud. And now the singer has to adjust to her. But, but no, not in, not in, uh, not in this generation. No, you got to know how to play it all, you know. And now keyboard players are exposing other keyboard players for transposing. Oh, you, you know, doing all of that, you know. So, oh yes, yeah, oh man. yeah, oh yeah. I saw you hit the transpose button. Yeah, Don't act you're, brand you're new. On the keyboard and you see. Oh wait a minute, this this ain't the right. Key yeah, that's not C minor. That dude's yeah, yeah, he's yeah, transposing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, the I mean, like with that kind of training, I mean, it sets you up for a great musical career outside of reading because you are able to sort of absorb things at, at a very quick rate too. I mean, because because yeah. like just your weekly practice, like you get what one one practice. Well, for me, it was one practice, and then it's sermon, it's go time, you know, and you cover this you cover what music's going on for that weekend or that Sunday. And then that's yep. it. And then you have to find, you got to find the key. You'll see the, the MD or the keyboarders uh, going through there, trying to hear the key, like going uh, mm-hmm. uh, chromatically up the, up the keyboard, trying to find yep. the keys. So, uh, yep. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great training ground for someone who, who never learns music, but also it seems like it can be kind of a trap. Um, do you yeah. kind of agree with that in, in the fact that people can get and even in the style of playing, um, it can kind of be a trap because you kind of yeah. get stuck in this style of playing where maybe you're trying to get hired for a, a rock gig exactly. and you're doing all these gospel chords over. You can. You can't play the same thing in every arena. Right. You have to be able to switch genre, genres. Only way you can know it is by studying music. You know, like I, even though I was heavily in the gospel, um, uh, before even like the gospel chops and things started happening, you know, for me, I was listening to Joe Smith, who had a certain vibe on uh, all of the Hawkins records, uh, switching from that to listening to Sting or the police. <laughs> yeah. You, which was my favorite band. Yeah, they're amazing. Know? Yeah, of course. I can't, okay, so I can't play that here and I can't play here that you know maybe a little bit of it but not much or going from there to uh james brown it's all different like they're all different you got to put on the different hats but i think you get that way by by expanding what you know your 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 what you're listening to you know what i'm saying so it's important it could be a trap for the arrogant guy <laughs> think oh i can play in church now i'm good okay but that's not gonna really work over here okay over there when we're playing certain pop records with the artists okay take out all those passing chords okay 
that chord is too big. That's not the chord we want right there. No. Some artists would be like, no, I don't want that. Uh, I want it just like it was on the record, you know. Right. Just play that. Don't play nothing else, you know. So that's the difference. But can you adapt? Right. Can As a musician, can you adapt? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it's huge. I mean, because things are changing constantly. And, and once you think you have some sort of security in one place, it, it, it's not there anymore. There's no it, – it's, it's weird because it's like one of those businesses where there's like – I don't know, like, it, there's there's no real security in the future. Like, there's nothing guaranteed in the future, which nothing. which is life anyways. But, like, yeah. especially with this business, nothing's guaranteed. There's You're, you're not guaranteed a career tomorrow. You that's know? right. That's right. You got it. That's why my one analogy I always like to use, you just got to ride the waves. Hmm. You know, surfers, I don't, I'm not a surfer, but I do watch it and I... I understand that the guys sit out there and they wait for that wave and that wave comes they ride it the best they can until it ends and then when you you want more get get, get back down on your board paddle out there and get hit the next one you know it's important it's important you know um what when did uh when did the soul seekers start coming into your career when was that when did that oh, come man. in so the crazy thing is in the year 2000, while while we're getting set up with doing, beginning that whole Timbaland and Aaliyah thing, uh, Playa, Genuine, that was around the time we started the group. And everybody in the group was, a, was famous producers and musicians. <laughs> um, we were doing it because we loved doing it. We didn't have any intentions on going far. But you know, a few years later, we got approached by a record label. And we said, hey, let's record a record. And we did it all ourselves. And that was it. <laughs> that we just recorded. that simple. <laughs> simple. We, we did it at my church. We did it live. Uh, we bought in the truck to record it. And uh, it came out. Next thing you know, we had the Soul Seekers. We, you know, our intention was, wasn't to become famous for that. We just loved the music. And wanted to sing some songs that would help people. Yeah. And so yeah, that was around 2000, right? It all happened at the same time. I would be leaving, I'd be on tour and have to leave and go do a Soul Seeker gig. It's just, it was, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, was was there a, was there a time in all your travels where like everything sort of became overwhelming for you at any point where you just felt like you need to step back? No, it wasn't that. I just knew I needed to take breaks and take vacations. Mm. So I did that. Um, I wish, see, I play golf now. Mm. I'm a, like an addicted golfer. I love the game. I wish I would have been doing it back then. <laughs> it would have helped. And plus with all the travel and stuff. But yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, I, I never really got overwhelmed. If I did, it was all about sleeping and I always had the dream in mind. Like, we got to keep going. We got to get after what, what it is we're trying to do to set a great career, you know? So, you know, there will be times I would have three different students, I mean, three different artists in three different studios. It would be crazy, like live practicing for shows. And this one, that one, I'm going to send this one over there. I'm going to do this one in the morning and do that one at night. It, it used to be crazy. It was crazy. But, you know, I loved it. I loved it. That became my norm. When did so? When did you get married? Two thousand seven. Okay, so so you now did that 
did that slow down? Did your scheduling and all like you're just constant go go? Or no, what's crazy is is we um so hilarious story. So when we got pregnant, um I was on tour, I was overseas, I was overseas with 50 Cent. It was coming up close to the to the date. And I was like, Lord, please let, let please hold the baby till I get home. Please hold the baby till I get home. <laughs> uh, and then I I would try to work it. So I mean, you know, I adjusted a little. I adjusted, but I figured it out. I mean, you know, I had to take care of the home, the home, you mm-hmm. know, make sure everything was good. That was one thing that's big in our family with my dad. You know, make sure make sure the home is good, the home fund is good. So that's what one thing we did. So it slowed down a little bit, but it really slowed down when I became a pastor too, mm. because it was good. Not, there wasn't going to be a way. Like I tried this when I became the pastor in 2012, I remember maybe six months later, I had, I had a tour that was booked and I did, I made a commitment to, and I went and did it and I would fly and leave and we'd have a, a Saturday off or, or fly out and be on the East coast, fly back home on, uh, early Sunday morning to get back to church or uh, if we're on the West Coast, I would leave and fly home to be at church Sunday morning get right back on the plane, fly right back and barely make a gig. Thank God I never missed any gigs, but that was so crazy. I do some crazy scheduling stuff. Like, it's really (laughs) crazy, but, you know, it's slowed down, but it's good, you know, as we started having more kids, um, you know, slowed down. I wanted to be around, you know, be around kids, so. You know, I had to I had to learn that I, that I needed to do that, and it, it happened. It happened. What was it? Uh, uh, I don't want to say hard change because I'm not trying to paint it like it's hard to change for your family, but like being in the uh, when you're in the momentum of of a career like that, yeah, was yeah. it was it hard for you to make those changes? Yeah, it was. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, you have to adjust to what you're doing. You're working. You know, the music business is a different type of business. You can be here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah. Not like a contracted business, you know. But thankful, I'm thankful that I was able to have a great career and write enough songs to be able to do some great things. But yeah, it was just different, you know. But now the way the music is, business is kind of watered down if you will still a great business but it's watered down and anybody because of these prepackaged things everybody thinks they're producers right songwriters and, and the consumers are loving it i'm kind of like mm. you know i'm not I'm, but i'm older i'm 45 i'll be 46 in a couple of weeks i'm not i'm not the guy that's gonna be in the studio all night like i used to be mm. i would be in there you know so that i don't have no problem with that i like i like getting done early mm-hmm. chilling <laughs> Yeah, you know, watching basketball, doing what I need to do. That's just where I'm. I'm at with it. Yeah, man. It's like like uh, you did all that grinding out as a young man, so you could chill out when you're a little. Exactly. You know, in this time, you you put exactly. in all that work, and and now you're reaping the benefits of it. I was gonna yeah. ask you about your office, uh, because yeah. I told my wife I was like, I'm gonna get an office. Because, like I said, we work together, but then also I have my own personal things. 
Uh, but she has no respect for boundaries of work boundaries. Uh, so I was curious when you got your office, is that something similar or, or was it just like you just like to go somewhere and work by yourself and just be in your space? Uh, what, well, what... definitely. I, I, okay. So I built this studio when I bought my house, I built a studio there hmm. and I was using it heavily for a while. And then I got married then the kids came and I was never able to get any work in there. <laughs> done at all whatsoever i gave the office to my wife so she can i mean the studio to her so she can use it as an office or whatever and that's when i came down i mean here at the church i'm at my church right now oh, okay church, okay so i was here but i built the studio here ah. so that I, it could be far away from what you know whatever they got going on plus <laughs> I can, you know, the studio here is for my community development corporation. We're going to be teaching young kids how to write songs and produce oh, records. So, um, yeah, but to that question, yeah, it's challenging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's challenging. How are you going to get stuff done? I, You know, if I'm studying for what I, you know, do in ministry, I'm like sitting on the side. I'm sitting on the floor. There's no space. Mm. nowhere it's like tucked off i, I think I, I do better at starbucks or something <laughs> you know. no it, it, it's like uh, she's doing better once i started talking about the office she was she started giving me a little bit more space <laughs> but yeah, i mean you know we all got things to do right you know, a lot you know i i have a, a a super full agenda just with what i do mm. and i need it you know so a lot of times my office is my my truck <laughs> or like you know because i'm always on the go but hey that's what it is hey man like you gotta get busy. you gotta get work done it, it just gotta you gotta do get it, it done you want it's like that's what i tell it's like well you want to you want food you want clothes it's like well let me work <laughs> Yeah, exactly. over here. You're talking right. You're talking right. Um, so, uh, what, what's uh, what's the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you? And it can be about anything. It doesn't have to be about music. Ricky Miner told me one time. He said, "Man, you, the places you want to go, you're not going to be able to take everybody with you." From a musician standpoint, from a band standpoint. I didn't know what it know what it meant when he said it, but I ended up learning, and that was very true. Some of the places you go, some of the things you want to do, you just can't take everybody with you. Everybody doesn't fit in every every space, um, and that's not a negative way to speak negative about anybody or anything. It just is what it is. You know, everybody's not good at adapting in certain settings. Um, not that you have to be fake at all, but you do have to be respectful. Mm. of other settings so that was one of the things that was told to me and my father always said uh, you got to have money coming in from multiple places don't depend on one you know on one source because hey if that source dries up then what you gonna do yeah that's great uh, advice yeah that's great because that's like that's exactly that's exactly what the life that you're living that's exactly the life i'm living on yeah. a much smaller scale, but like, you know, it's, it's there. The grind is there. It's every day. And yeah. you, yeah, you, you have to set yourself up to have multiple ways of, of doing things or else it's, it's just, I mean, like, I, could you imagine yourself as a, a factory worker at all? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, if, if I had, if listen, if I had to, <laughs> I would, for, for my family, I would, would I want to? <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, is that 
you know, these are things that, that, uh, you know, we have to do. And what we do in music, I mean, I'm grateful for because it could be some, you know, another gentleman told me one time, he said, you know, we really overpaid as musicians. <laughs> look, look, if you look at school teachers and you look at, you know, some, some, some policemen and shared, we're really, we're overpaid. Uh, but I'll be overpaid, but I'm going to be grateful mm -hmm. that this is the career that I've chosen, you know, so. And, and you've, you've seemed to have given back and like, especially, and, and you're, and you're the pastor for the church that your father founded. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like you're in a, you're, you're, you're giving back to your community. I mean, like just, you're, you're talking about, you know, teaching young people how to write music and, and, you yeah. know, and, and not get handled by the industry yeah. and stuff like that. Right. So, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's all you could do, right? Like, it's like, right. yeah, that's you right. get that's paid a lot of money, but like that's, but you're also returning a lot of that with your time and, and your energy. You're giving back to, and you're affecting so many people. I mean, yeah. So I mean, like that's that's great, man. That's great. And and well, that's how the world's supposed to go. That's how it's supposed agree. to be. We so, all yeah. should, we all should give back. I'm excited. One of the things at my, at the heart of what I'm doing is uh, my community development corporation called Elevated Community Development Corp. ECDC. You know, I post about it. I talk about it. You can find some stuff on on my. Uh, my my new company, the BPM company, on our YouTube channel, talking about elevated. Uh, it's really uh, see the thing is, I grew up and our church is in Linwood. I learned everything professionally that I would do in the future. I learned it right here in this small community uh, and underserved community, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so my father had a vision to help people in this community. He provided space for us to play music and have a good time learning in church. And I said, why don't I take that? Why don't I do the same thing? And so with our community development corporation, we're going to help young people to get, get, let them see the alternatives to the trouble that may be in their surrounding areas. Um, you know, we're feeding people, we're, uh, taking people. We have a thing that, that I created called the hope ride in which we take people that never really come out of the inner city, take them around, let them see and dream, uh, see things that, they haven't seen before wow. um, and how opportunities of, of, of a career, what could really uh, be uh, ahead for them in their future if they make the right decision. So the giving back piece is the main thing, man. That's, that's what we have to do. And I have joy in doing it. I've done, I've done everything I've wanted to do, man. And God has been good to me. My family has been good to me, my friends, I, you know, I have not one complaint and I, you know, I want to just, you know, our world is in a it's a it's a tricky place, and then in, 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 in America, you know, where where we're known as one of the greatest countries, absolutely, or the greatest country, uh, even in that that does not define us as being perfect at all. There's so much that we have to do to improve in our communities and our people, whether it's race, poverty, all of these things. Uh, uh, and I want to help. You know. I don't want ever, nobody, if I have some good information, I'm going to give it to everybody so that they know what to do and can help, you know, they have an opportunity and they won't be able to say, no one told me this. Well, come around me, I told you so. <laughs>
<laughs> I told yeah. you so. Um, uh, we're we're wrapping up here, so I got just a couple of rapid fire oh, questions good. for you. So, um, uh, what is a a seminal album for you? And it doesn't have to be just one, but an album or an artist that you listen to that just completely changed the way you look at music, the way that you uh, create. And easy number one, Prince, Purple Prince. Rain. God. That I love I love it when I love it when my guests have it just ready to go. Like they just already know. It's like it's Prince. <laughs> Prince, straight up. Prince Purple Rain. Uh Michael Jackson's Off the Wall and Thriller. The Hawkins family, a gospel thing, Love Alive 2. Uh then all of commission commissioned is a gospel group that when I was young, they were amazing so everything that they put out um and then chick korea and electric band all of that and stuff that those are things that helped me but for producing wise hands down between uh purple rain and then off the wall and thriller what specifically about purple rain and thriller did you uh did it like that you focused in on when listening to that and then forms you now so with prince prince we all know was probably one of the funkiest musicians next to james brown and it had a little pop undertone to it of course however how he would produce those albums and songs and the sounds that he would use and the melodies that was created hands down i felt like i was in a circus like <laughs> Like and a lot, whole bunch of stuff is going on, and it's just still all working together. Like that's the best way. Well, you know how on your computer, my computer's doing it right now. When it goes into sleep mode, and it's you see the colors are yeah. doing it. Yeah. That's what print, like to me listening to Prince is like. And he, you know, people argue Prince Michael Jackson, Prince Michael Jackson. For me, you know. I, I mean, I love Michael Jackson. I would probably love to, you know, would have loved to perform with him and be his drummer. But Prince, I've actually worked, played the drums with Prince one time. Wow. And I was like, I, whew, I thought, you know, you, I could have died and gone to heaven, but not literally. But, right. You know, but, but man. What was but, that yeah, experience no, like? Uh, what, what, what was your interaction with uh, Prince like? Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to tell you exactly. We were there. It was a BET Awards. It was a tribute to Shaka Khan. And, you know, he came in, and I think we played I, I Feel For You, which he uh, produced and wrote, uh, I believe. And he came in. And it was a bunch of, I mean, it was a super big band. The band from the show, some of Shaka's band, and Prince comes in, and and we're playing, and... We're jamming and they, everybody's thinking we're jamming, but I'm watching him. I'm just, I'm just that guy. I watch. I'm watching him. I'm playing. I want to make sure I'm playing the way he heard it when he created it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of everybody jamming and playing all of this music, you know, a lot of gospel guys. Prince just in the middle of the jam session, put his guitar down and went and sat in the corner. <laughs> on the couch, he sat in the corner on the couch and crossed his leg. And I was like, something happened. And nobody's paying attention to it, but I'm watching it the whole time. Cause I'm watching, I'm like, these people didn't see what he just did. And so they, everybody kind of 
said it like Shaka was like, hey, everybody, okay. He's like, what happened? what happened? He was like, there's nothing to play. <laughs> and he said that just like that. I mean, everybody was just playing and jamming and noodling. That was a lesson. That was a big lesson uh, for that room, everybody in that room. Then he came in and then I was playing. I was trying to play it, the whole medley, because he played the whole medley with us. And and I was like, everything cool. He said, yeah, you, because he said, just do me one favor. He said, just hit the high, because you know, sometimes the high we play with, play with a ghost note. He goes, no, play it like, I need every every note of it hard. And I, and that little thing right there made it funkier to the place where I went back and listened to his records and see, always, oh, I see what he was talking about. I see what he was trying to do. Hands down, you know, and then when I seen him in concert for the first time, it was like the intro was 45 minutes. My buddy John Blackwell, rest in peace, was playing the drums. And it was like, I can't believe how they just killed. He's like, are y'all ready to go? I'm like, I thought the concert was over. Like 45 minutes worth of hits, not... <laughs> You know, and it was, oh, man. So, yeah, Prince, Prince. Well, um, I, I just, just to clarify, was uh, that lesson you learned from Prince that day, was that to simplify things? Or is that uh, not not just the hi-hat, but you were saying everybody was sort of noodling and he said there was nothing for him to play. Yeah. What Was he saying that he wanted to be simpler or was it just that there there were so many great musicians on stage, it's like, why is he even up there? Or like, no. No. It was like it's too much. We're playing too much. It's too much noodling. It's too, too much, much jam vibing. Too much, but it's nothing is happening together. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. That was a life changing moment. Straight up, it has like, to be. I, it's friends. How is it not a life changing moment? Man. And then, and then, uh, yeah, man. It was just really that moment was something. And then actually play that show with him on stage. It was it was crazy. And then. Seeing you know my friends play with him again, John Blackwell, rest, rest in peace. Cora, uh, uh, Coleman, when she played with him, did you know Super Bowls, halftime specials, and it was all good, man. It just it had a different thing. It was all live too. It was live. Nothing was programmed. It was like get it, let's get it, you know. I, and I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, no that 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 was a that was one of those losses when I found out that Prince passed. That those were one of those oh, losses man. where I was just like, "This is not even true. Like, this can't even be possible. Like, man. how is this? How is how are we gonna? How how is the world going to turn without yeah. that man? I'm looking for like who was that next young when Prince came in and he was young and writing these songs and producing at a fabulous uh, high level. Okay, it's like okay. Now I'm looking like who's the next one? Where's the next one at? Mm -hmm. Who's coming to do that again? Right. Because you need that. You need that somebody that comes in the game that's so different from everything that's been out. You know, that's what Prince did. That's what Michael did too when he came. But you know, Michael Jackson did. Like nothing sounds like this, right. and nothing sounds as good. Like boom. Like it's kind of like when Dr. Dre came out with the Chronic. Like right. oh my God, what is this? Nothing sounds like this. Like. Just transcended music. Yeah. Man, so I'm like, what is the next thing? Right. I'm looking for the next thing. Hopefully it's something I'm involved in and I can have <laughs> my hand in and I could make a lot of money. <laughs> and all I could really do from that point is just play golf for the rest of my days and go to church. I like it. I'm rooting for you. Um, I, I I had a, another question popped up into my I'm head. I'm good. Come on. Let's go. We're here. Just with, with M. Dean, 
Um, and producing, do you, do you see a lot of crossover things in that? Uh, so you're talking about between that and, and doing it live, basically. Right, right. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. What... Absolutely. absolutely. You, you want to, one of the things, and you know, Bruno Mars is good at this. Shout out to the hooligans. My boys, hey, the guys, those guys are great. That's his backing band? The band, yeah. They play, okay. play the record. You never want to veer too far from the record for the for the audience because that's mm. what they listen to. That's what they want to hear. Yeah. So you have to. I always wanted to approach my live like my drum playing is more from a producer standpoint than it is mm. just a drummer because I'm not the showman guy. I can't get you know I can't get in there and do all the stuff that like the young kids do. But as far as the records, I love to play the records. Uh, like the records. Mm. Um, so for me and my style of musical directing, the majority of it, let's play this record. Let's make the record sound like it's on steroids. Don't make the record sound like something else. Just mm. take that record and make, give it a little more muscle. Yeah. Uh, you know? So yeah, of course it definitely crosses for me. Mm -hmm. oh. So, Sweet. and then, and then sometimes it, it, it's some artists, they didn't, they, they want you to, no, go crazy. I want to have more, this, that, more, 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 more. You know, I'm like, okay, but. You know, we'll try to give them what they want, but my style is yeah. Let's 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 just make those records sound sound on steroids. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah, that. Uh, uh, so what what uh what are you currently working on now? Now that uh, you know we're wrapping up here, what what's 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 happening now? What are you doing now? Are you talking about your community uh, uh, corporation? I'm sorry, yeah, messing yeah, up the no, name. No, no. Yeah, elevated, talking about yeah, elevated community um, development corporation. AKA ECDC, uh, my church, Gertie Emanuel Temple. I'm in the studio. I, I, well, you know, the BPM company is my new company. We're creating content. Uh, we're servicing and helping other artists to be great. So the BPM company, they can check us out at uh, thebpmcompany.com. Um, also, you know, Life and Beats Per Minute is something I was just really trying out just to have some good conversations with some good people about, about life and about, um, uh, about life and about, uh, 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 the rhythms of life. That's one of the things that's going on. Um, and I'm getting in and I'm going to be doing an album soon. Okay. So we're going to see what happens with that. So like a solo album. Yeah, or a band. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get in and just create and have fun, and we're gonna see what's what's gonna come out of it. That's well, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Well, that's so, awesome. Man. With some amazing musicians too. So, um, I, you know, I, I want to say it again. I, I liked your podcast, and um, one of the things that I liked about it is that it was very natural. Like it wasn't something that felt like forced. It wasn't right. like. Here's my question, and there's your answer. You right. know what I mean? It's right. like it thank was a very much a back and forth. Well, thank and, you. And that's and that's one thing that I strive to do myself. So that's what I recognized right away was that like that very easy back and forth you have with your guests. And and I only got to watch one episode, so like I don't know how the other is. Well, maybe maybe that's not how it is on the other episodes, but I assume that it is. I got um, you. Well, thank you. Well, you you're not so bad yourself, Mike. I appreciate you're it. I appreciate it. I'm you know I'm learning from you. 
Well, uh, I that that's amazing. Thank you very much. That, <laughs> that's a that's a great compliment. I appreciate that. And uh, and again, I appreciate you. Uh, you know, give me your time for the last hour and forty minutes. Anytime, and, uh, anytime. Chatting it up with me, man. I really do appreciate. It. And we'll be looking for that new album. Got you, got you, man. We're gonna be looking for some stuff you you're doing too, man. So hit me up. Let me know what's going on. Anything I can support. Hey, man, I'll do my best. Well, I appreciate that. That's very kind and generous. Thank you very much, Nissan Stewart. I will talk to you soon. Yes, sir. You got my number. You know how to catch me, Mike. Thank you, Nissan. I truly appreciate you coming on the show and taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to your fans, to talk to me. And um, definitely go and support Nissan and everything he's got coming up. Check out his Life in Beats Per Minute podcast, which is on right now. You can go download it right this second at Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. YouTube is awesome because there's a video aspect to it as well. I really liked I really liked his podcast, and he, I think he does a great job at, at uh, as a host as well, um, especially for someone who's... I don't know if he's ever hosted anything like that before, but he seemed pretty natural at it. So thank you, Nissan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as for the world going to shit, uh, <laughs> um, well, you know, this is the first week of this pandemic and already I'm seeing musicians and artists come together and do amazing things. And, and so the show from this point, through the rest of the time of this pandemic we're gonna be not focusing on it but we're gonna be doing bonus episodes uh we're gonna we're it's gonna be incorporated into the show it has to be like uh, there's no way i can not talk about this so what we're gonna do is we're gonna be talking to musicians um about what they're doing how they're getting by how they're making money, how they're creating, and and what they're doing to get through this. We're also going to be doing the retrospective of their musical career and stuff as well, but I kind of want to, I'm not refocusing the show at all. I'm just, I'm just telling you, the show is going to go on as normal, but we're going to be talking about this. I mean, this is, <laughs> this pandemic, I mean, this is unprecedented in our lifetime. I mean, I, the last time I can remember anything close to this kind of chaos is 9-11. So, and that dates me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the old man, you know. And by the way, young people, get off the fucking beach. Go home. Don't give grandma the virus because you want to go out and eat Molly and bang. Just, just stay home for a couple weeks. How about that? I'm sorry I'm that old guy who's saying this. I remember when I was in my 20s, if an old guy said stop partying, I was like partying 10 times harder. A and then going back to the old man and say, fuck you, old man, I'm wasted, you know, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Don't do that. Um, no, but this is these are, these are weird times. And these are strange and scary times. And, and I just uh, I, I just can't stress enough to, to be good to your fellow human beings and through all this. This is uh, this now more than ever. HJ's for everybody too, but more than ever, being good to your fellow human being is so important. Um, we, we don't want... Uh, you know, I posted something on my Facebook the other day that said, um, 
um, if if people will fight over a good deal at Walmart at Christmas time, when do you think people will fight about when there's no food and there's, you know, like, how far do you think people can go? And the worst part about being me is that I like to just imagine the worst possible outcome to the, to the most heightened, horrifying things. So, like, in my mind, we're only it, it's like the pandemic today and then tomorrow it's roving bands of psychos fucking raping our daughters and stealing our stuff and murdering our family in front of us that's where my mind goes because i've read so many of these fucking books about post-apocalyptic living uh it, it's it's i don't know it, it's just I have an extra worry because I've read so much about it and, and I know it's fiction. I know it's not real, but fuck, it's real now. And you're seeing, I'm seeing, like, I'm seeing things that I'm seeing in books that I'm seeing in real life down to like how to, uh, how to deal with anxiety through the pandemic. Like just those flyers, like those details that are in books like those little details, like how to get through, you know, the zombie apocalypse without fucking freaking out. You know, like these little flyers that people find within these books. It's like, it's just down to those details is, is what I'm seeing happen. And that's what's so scary about everything. And uh, I, I, I don't think that's where our heads should be. <laughs> and that's definitely not where my head should be. So let's try to take a breath and let's try to... Um, be with the ones we love. Let's focus on love. Let's let, let let's just be in our houses with the people we love. Let's focus on loving each other and and let's just focus on just being good to one another. Let, let's just focus on that. Let's not focus on the, the the rising numbers. Let's not focus on the you know like be weary of your neighbor and stuff. Let's just focus on the people that are with us right here right now. And um Let's try to be closer. Let's try to learn something new about each other. And let's create new stuff. Um, I love... So this is so going back to my original point here with the show and what we're going to be doing with the coronavirus situation is we're going to be talking to musicians and talking about how they're handling it. And so our first episode that has to do with that is already in the can. It's with Louis Venezuela. Um, he is a, he's been on the show before. He's a fantastic jazz guitarist. He's a he's a prominent working musician in San Diego, and um, he right away Monday morning came and he was on it. He put he put together an online band. They're going by the Corona Crew. They have songs. They have two songs out already, and it's only Wednesday. And I, it's fucking awesome. Like the the fucking it, like the music is good too. And it's sort of this collaboration between all these just badass musicians, and um, it, it, it's so cool. And so Friday we're gonna be releasing a bonus episode um, featuring Louis V. And we're gonna be talking to him about what he's doing. And we and of course I go into my whole like crazy apocalypse talk and thinking and stuff so uh but we, we we we're just talking we're just trying to find solutions to this crazy problem that we're facing right now um i don't know if you guys have put this together but uh with the closing of all the bars and theaters 
uh, musicians have currently lost their jobs in one one small announcement. Well, I guess it's not a small announcement. It's a huge announcement. So we're kind of out of work here, and we're trying to figure out different ways to make money. And uh, so we're just I, – I'm just sort of putting a think tank E thing idea together. And that, it, it's sort of a loose idea, and it will probably develop as it goes. But, um, yeah, and obviously we'll be doing the podcast on the phone – and over Skype per usual, which which is weird because I've been doing it all year like that. I, I, I realized that I haven't done one in-person interview all year. I think I had one. Um, I think I had one in-person interview all year, which is, is crazy because I, I love the in-person one. So right now it's going to be it's not going to be two people. It's going to just be the over the phone or Skype thing social distancing but um yeah well i you know the show is always meant to be malleable for me it's always been it was created to bend with wherever i'm going you know it, it, to to mold to whatever i'm doing so it, this is this works perfectly for me i mean like i still i communicate online and so it's been great reaching out and getting such a positive response from musicians um, because musicians they want to talk they want to they want to talk about this stuff so um I, I i honestly when i started sending out emails on monday i thought maybe this is a little insensitive to what's currently going on um uh, maybe this is you know people are sitting there trying to figure out what they're going to do with their lives they don't want to talk to my dumb ass so um it but it didn't turn out that way. It turned out that people are want they do want to talk. They want to talk about this. And and we're social beings. We want to talk to each other. We want to be with each other. So um we're working on it. And and that and so this podcast will help facilitate that in any way it can. So our next episode coming out this Friday will be with Louis V. And it's gonna be a bonus episode. It's not gonna be the super long episodes like this. It'll be a shorter episode, but uh, we're talking about what he's doing. We're talking about what uh, what we can be doing, and uh, <laughs> and he and he talks me off a ledge. So <laughs> that there you go. That'll be the show notes for for the show notes description. Will be uh, will be that. It'll be it was like we're talking about what he's doing, what we can be doing, and he talks Mikey P off the ledge. Uh, all right. Okay, so that's it for me, guys. I, I, I'm going to get back to trying to love, to focus on love with my family. And work. Work. If you can work, work. Be with your family. Focus on love. And if you got shit to do, you got shit that you've been wanting to do, if you're one of those musicians, if you're like me, and you're so fucking busy with everybody else's stuff that you don't have time for your own, guess what? You got time for your own shit now. So go do that shit. That's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm. I'm gonna be focusing on, uh, just getting my shit done, or trying to get my shit done. We'll see what happens. I still have a family, and that's the other part of this, which is makes it a little bit harder. Is that you are stuck with your family, and I don't know about your family, but if I'm trying to work, and my family's around, it's almost impossible. So, <laughs> right now they're letting me work. But I'm, I, and, and I, I want to, uh, I want to uh, emphasize they're letting me work. 
they are holding restraint, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, because they just want to be with me. So that's very nice. And um, I'm not rejecting that. I just need to get some shit done. <laughs> so get shit done, guys. Get out there. Get shit done. Love your family. And, and stay tuned because we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be in the shit. We're, we're here with you guys. Just just remember, be good to your fellow human beings. HJs for everybody. I'll see you guys next week with Blaine Dillinger from Hyrie. Uh, another podcast that was recorded before the pandemic went pandemic-y on us. Um, and then uh, after that, it's going to be all just pandemic guests. So... <laughs> Uh, we got Blaine Dillinger coming up from Hyrie, and, uh, and and then look out for the bonus episode this Friday, uh, March 20th, uh, with Louis V. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about the pandemic. So again, be good to your fellow human beings. I clapped with that to emphasize my point. Be nice at the grocery fucking store, okay? It's okay. You can let the old lady go first. Social distancing. Just keep your distance from that old lady. Let her go first. Let her get the last loaf of bread, okay? That's okay. It's okay if she gets the last loaf of bread. They say there'll be more. One more thing that I'm going to say, and this is not to cause panic, but it was told to me, and this is what I did. It was told to me from a very credible medical professional who is who is uh, who is on the front lines of this disease uh, he said had provisions for three weeks so that's what he told me I I have provisions for three weeks I don't know if I'm gonna need them but who cares I know they're saying don't panic by I don't know maybe not maybe don't panic by I'm not trying to panic anybody. All I'm saying is this is what I did because I was given information from someone that I trust. And so three weeks provisions. Take it however you want. But remember, be good to your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. I'll see you guys Friday. Fresh.